It's Thursday, January 27th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Charlie Travers, and from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hansen. Guys, neither rain nor sleet nor thunder snow would keep us from this show today. Am I right? I thank my hiking boots. It's good to be here. (laughs) All right. We've got earnings from Netflix, Under Armour, and Procter & Gamble, but we're going to start today with the political unrest in Egypt. Uh, Tim, let me start with you. We've had days of anti-government demonstrations. They forced a halt to trading in Egypt's stock market today. Stocks fell 11% today. Um, Just by way of context, in 2010, this was the region's second best performing stock market, and it's now fallen 21% in the past two weeks. How much worse is this going to get? Well, Chris, you know, this is a very important market in North Africa. Uh, They are the operators and owners of a little body of water you may have heard of called the Suez Canal. Oh, yeah. Which is a a key lifeline between oil shipments coming out of the Middle East and uh, oil consumers in developed markets in Europe and the United States. So if you don't think this affects you, if this gets worse from here, uh, you, you, you may see higher oil prices. But, you know, this is just one of those, this is a country where, you know, it was a quote-unquote democracy. Uh, President Mubarak, who's been in power for 30 years, was quote-unquote elected. He heads the National Democratic Party, but, you know, he's outlawed... If this were a video podcast, you'd be doing <laughs> the finger quotes. A lot right? of those. Uh, but he outlawed the main opposition group. And, and basically, younger people in the country have gotten fed up because the economy has done quite well. The market, as you said, has done quite well. But most of the population has not seen the benefit of that growth. It's been concentrated in oligarchic circles. And, you know, they saw what happened in Tunisia not too long ago, and and, and they decided they could maybe do the same thing. Shares of Netflix hit an all-time high today after the company reported fourth-quarter profits rose 52%. Netflix topped the 20 million subscriber mark, and the company raised its guidance. Uh, What's not to love here? I I love Netflix a lot. I've been a uh, consumer of their uh, service for about eight years now. I've been extremely happy. Uh, But the price on the stock is really out of hand. Uh, The stock is now over $200 a share. It's been on a huge run for a long time. And just like on a price-to-free cash flow basis, it's about 100 times uh, if you count in all the intangible assets they're uh, paying for. Yeah, this is a $10 billion business that that we'll be lucky next year, I think, to do $200 million in earnings. So that's a big, big gap. One of the things that Netflix said this week, uh, it said that its early success in Canada justified more international expansion. <laughs> we're, <laughs> that, get, we're getting a golf clap that for that? That gets the slow cap. Uh, you know, when it comes to international expansion, the key is, you know, adapting to the local market is what you do to need to really succeed. And using Canada as an example <laughs> of success to then justify expansion, I don't know, let's say they're thinking about China or something like that, just doesn't, it's not the same thing. Canadians... We respect our brothers to the north, but Canadians and Americans, generally speaking, have very similar preferences, uh, so to speak, and also technological capabilities. You know, you can stream videos in Canada. Now, Charlie, they didn't specify which market they're moving into. Do you have a suggestion for where they should go? Uh, I would hope Europe. Um, just for the cultural similarities, um, it, it, at least compared to the other alternatives. Um, but honestly, I do not generally like to see uh, these kinds of announcements out of uh, primarily domestic companies. Tim? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be tricky for them to, to do. I would say Australia would be a candidate. That's a country with a lot of connectivity and it's English speaking and, and the Netflix brand probably already has some exposure there. But if they're thinking about one of the more exciting emerging markets like India, you know, which has a very robust film culture, the bandwidth doesn't exist in India to, to support a service like Netflix. So, you know, the valuation is huge, but the growth or the international markets they can go into now aren't necessarily the really exciting growth markets that investors normally pay a premium for. 
Under Armour, the athletic apparel maker, had better than expected earnings. Net income up 51%, and the stock was up 10% on heavy volume. Charlie Travers, were you part of that buying frenzy today? Uh, absolutely not, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, we, we actually own the stock in Hidden Gems, and we have it on hold for valuation reasons, and uh, today's pop certainly isn't helping in that regard. <laughs> but there, there are some bright spots. Uh, revenue is up 24% last year. They raised their guidance for this year. Uh, they're going to do $1.3 billion in sales, which it, it's a nice number. Uh, but there are some red flags. Uh, this is a company that has chronically struggled with inventory bloat, and you know, against that revenue growth, they are going to have 45% growth in inventory, which is just deplorable. So, you know, the end result of that is the company is sinking all this money into uh, shirts and shoes and, you know, different apparel items. But sweat-wicking shirts. It's sweat-wicking shirts. <laughs> and it's just not turning into cash for shareholders. And that that's a big red flag. Tim, one of the things the CEO said, uh, and I'm quoting here, he said, uh, we're, quote, sticking our toes in the water in China. Him and everybody else. <laughs> Gosh, it's the recurring thing. Uh, you know, if, if you could call earnings season, um, if there's an earnings season, as you know, a recurring theme is that everybody thinks they're going to grow in China. You know, and, and good luck to Under Armour. They're certainly not the first to the market. They won't be the last. There are plenty of domestic and multinational competitors. A little a few companies you may have heard of, like Nike and Adidas. I heard of those. In yep. addition to some Chinese companies like Li Ning and, and uh, 361. So this is not a blue ocean. As Charlie said, they have a very high valuation and they need to look at some way to justify it. Getting people excited about China is one way to do that, but, you know, good luck to them. Procter & Gamble's earnings beat expectations despite sluggish sales in the U.S. and Western Europe. P&G said its commodities bill will cost $1 billion for the fiscal year, which ends in June, more than double what it had originally expected. Tim, this is the largest consumer products company in the world. What's going on? Well, apparently they're feeling the effects of inflation, which, if you believe the the other data out there doesn't really exist right now. But, you know, Procter & Gamble is a big buyer of, of commodities. Uh, their bill is going up rapidly. It's going to hurt their profits. They're going to have to try to pass these um, price increases along to some degree, but they're probably going to struggle to do so. But for anyone who, who doesn't think there's inflation out there and is not preparing for higher food and petroleum prices, you know, this is a, this should be a wake-up call. Yeah, but more than double what you had expected, that, that to me, smacks of Hey, we have an internal analyst who needs to be fired because well, they're yeah, way off. Every everybody's way off when it comes to predicting near-term commodity prices, especially you know one of their big inputs is is, is oil. Uh, you use that for a lot in packaging and and in, in petroleum-based products, and that has gone up rapidly this year. And you know if the Suez <laughs> Canal shuts down, it could go up even more. One billion, maybe maybe uh, low. Charlie, what did you think? There are some bright spots in the P&G report. Uh, they did report market share increases across uh, you know, their top 60% of their products, and they do have some very compelling brands. Uh, you know, this is just a uh, you know, slow and steady dividend-paying stock. You know, the commodities will hurt them this year, but in the long run, I think they're going to be okay. One of their brands is Old Spice, which uh, got some attention in the last year or so with uh, TV commercials with the Old Spice guy. Great um, ads. Great ads. Uh, Solid ads. Charlie doesn't own a TV, so no. I wouldn't know, but we're uh, in a cave. <laughs> trust me. Go to YouTube and just type in Old Spice. There are some great ads there. Uh, this guy, Isaiah Mustafa, was the Old Spice man. Ray Lewis from the Baltimore Ravens. Talking Bear. Talking Bear. That was a good ad. And, and they're bringing Mustafa back for a new ad campaign for a product that will evoke scents from uh, exotic locales like Fiji. So uh, you guys have both 
traveled around. Yes. Uh, is is there a locale? If if you could have some input at P and G into what sense the new product should evoke, give me give me one locale that you would like to see in this uh, in this new scent, and one that uh, you really wouldn't want to. I'm going to actually use the same locale for both of my scents, and this was uh, <laughs> Vancouver Island. When I went up to uh, Victoria, we stayed at a nice little uh, gastro pub on the harbor, and so the uh, morning nice. scent was actually quite pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, the scent that they should not go after is uh, Victoria seems to be the mecca for the dirty hippie. You know, all these like <laughs> grungy, shiftless youngsters uh, smoking pot under the bridge. Huh. Didn't know that. Maybe maybe it's the uh, Canadian version of San Francisco. Canada's getting a lot of planes this podcast today. Uh, Tim, what about you? Uh, my, my go-to scent, I think, would be Hawaiian Airport. There's not a better smell out there than, than stepping off the plane in Hawaii. And getting, you get, it's like a mix of beach and, you know, flowers and lays. It's just it's a really nice. It's not exhaust fumes? And, and No, you'd be surprised. I think that maybe they sent it themselves, but you really feel Hawaii when you get off the plane. It's, okay. It's a, it's a testimony to the good work they're doing at the airport in Honolulu. Uh, in terms of the scent, I would avoid. Um, I'm going to go with something I'll creatively call... Bombay Dead End Street. <laughs> and you can, I'll leave it there. <laughs> you don't want to share the anecdote that, that brought you to the well, Dead End? Well, we were in Bombay, and we decided to make the decision to walk home from dinner. It being Now, this, now this is not you and your lovely wife. This no, is, this was me and, and our good friend and colleague, Bill Mann, and uh, our good friend and colleague, Paul Elliott. And the three of us decided we'd had a lot to eat and that we'd walk home. Mm-hmm. Because you know it's good, it's good for the the composition of your of yourself. And if you know Bill Mann, this will be funny. If you don't know Bill Mann, you're going to learn something about Bill Mann. But Bill Mann is a very overconfident traveler. And so even though we weren't very far from He's, the hotel, he does a lot of traveling. He does a lot of traveling, and I don't know how he always keeps coming home. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but but so we're walking home, and lo and behold, we take a wrong turn somewhere. Uh, Bombay is not laid out like a grid like New York City. It's a little more confusing than that. And we ended up wandering down a, a uh, back alley dead end that butted up to the water, the bay there, um, the bay in Bombay. And it was basically a dead end of about 300 very um, thermally hot people. It was summer in Bombay. Mm-hmm. Uh, food stalls and outdoor uh, toilets would be a kind word, but out, outdoor <laughs> repositories. Facilities. Yes. And, and you mix up the people, the food stalls, and the facilities. And that was that was... And I was standing next to Bill Mett. Ooh, cheap shot. <laughs> no, uh, and so you mix those three things together, and it was not the best odor. But we did we did make it back to the hotel, and everything was fine. All right, some some free perfume consulting tips for the people <laughs> at Procter & Gamble. All right, Tim Hansen, Charlie Travers. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. We'll see you on Monday, but this weekend, check out Motley Fool Money on radio stations across the country, on iTunes, and at MotleyFoolMoney.com. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.